All right, we are live with Faz Radio with uh, Michael Wagner, CEO of Star Atlas. And I've just put you in the hot seat in the middle here. So uh, <laughs> we have lots of questions about uh, the Star Atlas project. And uh, luckily, uh, we, we got hooked up with you and uh, very, very much appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, guys, not my first time in the hot seat. So uh, happy to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, great. You want to start awesome. with the Titan? Or, I, I do. And um, <clears throat> so as we were talking about in the two minutes before, we're, we're pretty excited to have you here. You've been on our radar for a long time. Um, we just literally never got around to reaching out. And by that connection, we're glad to have you. This this blockchain gaming space has been like all over the place these last two to three years. And one thing I noticed right off the bat was the consistency of Star Atlas in moving forward. How how in the world during all this, and, and we'll get into some of the minutiae of the last two or three years as we go along, but how how did you guide your organization forward through this mess we call Web3 Gaming? Um, simply put, ruthless perseverance. Uh, the never quit, never fail mentality. I've referenced on some other podcasts, um, David Goggins, and I think he said one of his quotes is, uh, you know, pain is temporary, failure is forever. Um, and I, Goggins I do bring is a this, stud, man. Oh, I mean, he's a, he's an incredible human being and machine, but, uh, inspirational for sure. But look, I mean, life is going to hit you with a ton of obstacles and a ton of challenges. And those are really opportunities if you approach them correctly. Um, you know, failures are lessons, right? I think that's something that a lot of people can get behind. And so it's it's been an, a, a philosophy of we are going to try uh, to accomplish something that nobody's ever accomplished before. We're going to dream big. We're going to have... <clears throat> uh, we're, my sound is bad. Sorry, I just want to make sure. No, that's that's oh, Faz's sound is bad. Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, I, I can hear you just out. fine. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's sheer perseverance. You know, we I, I don't want to diminish the um, the serendipitous initial year because we launched at quite a favorable time. So we conceptualized this idea of Star Atlas in mid 2020. Uh, we went to market with a white paper and a dream in January, 2021. We hit a lot of the hot button uh, topics that were um, being circulated at the time. So NFTs, DeFi and Web3 gaming, we had aspects of all of those integrated um, into our proposition and people really got behind it. We had a really phenomenal first year and a really successful first year, especially in terms of revenue. But we've been hit with a lot uh, over the subsequent two years that we've just had to endure and grind through. And so, um, yeah, I, I turned that short answer into a very long answer, but it is just <laughs> sheer determination um, and passion for what we do. You're muted, Faz. <laughs> to find the button okay yeah i have a follow-up about that um uh specifically about the bear market right now how 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 has the bear market been affecting uh crypto development and specifically star atlas because i know it's been it's been killing uh other projects 
I, I don't want to make this too much of a, a macro discussion. I we could speak specifically about uh, you know the crypto winter and the bear market. Now, uh, for people that have heard me on on uh, interviews or podcasts in the past, I I have been in the space for a long time. I've spent ten years in crypto. Mm-hmm. I participated in virtually every um, innovation and every cycle, and have ridden the ups and downs along the way. And I'm still here because I really do care about the tech. I really care about how this empowers people. And I really believe in um, the ethos and philosophy of decentralization and censorship resistance and self-sovereign ownership of of assets and wealth. Um, So beyond that, though, the macro environment is also pretty bad right now. It's pretty rough right now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I could point to examples of mainstream studios and even companies like Epic that produces Unreal Engine, which we use in the development of, of Star Atlas, laying off 15, 20% of their staff or more. So we're seeing this on a macro level. A lot of studios are actually cutting back and trimming down the amount of um, talent and employees that they have on their team. Crypto, uh, you know, obviously, whatever we're building in the early stage is highly correlated to the broader crypto market as well. That's, that's, um, a nearly insurmountable obstacle to overcome until you reach the point where you have true um, escape velocity, where you have true momentum, true product market fit, where you've built something that the mainstream cares about, not because it's associated with crypto or with blockchain technology or finance, but because it's a product that they truly want to engage with separately and tangentially. I think this is why gaming has the highest prospects to be a driver for the next bull market in crypto, because we're building an entertainment product that people want to use and they want to engage with. Um, And that's such a uh, stark contrast to what has motivated a lot of people to get involved in blockchain in the past, which is primarily financially motivated. I'm trading these markets. I'm getting into ICOs. I'm getting into IEOs. I'm trading on DeFi. It's all capital focused, right? It's all trading or speculation focused. And now we're coming out with a product that people just want to use because who doesn't love having fun in a grand strategy space exploration game? Maybe not everyone, but I think there's a big audience for that. (laughs) And then we're saying, hey, let's add, you know, let's add this crypto element. (laughs) Let's add all of these benefits of crypto to that. So Simply put, how has the bear market impacted us? Well, it certainly has hit our revenues. It's hit our transaction volumes. It's hit um, community and market sentiment. And you know, our job is just to understand that these exogenous variables, um, while they do impact us, we still have the same vision that we've always had. And we want to execute on that. And we want to continue building towards the completion of that vision. And so that's what we've done. You know, In the downtimes, we just heads down. We, we kept building. It's less about hype and more about execution. So that that's really, really good to hear. And with what you've put out um, on your Twitter and watching the ships go through the rings and such, that that is pretty good, tremendous uh, effort in getting that out during this market. So as you as you push through this, as we know, and, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, a lot of people associate the gaming on the blockchain side with dollar bills, right? They just want to get in there. They want to make some money, and the game tends to fall secondarily. And it seems like you're kind of pushing that the other direction. How are you implementing the crypto tokens differently than what we've seen in the past where it's this big money grab and then everybody disappears? 
so this is an extensive answer. I hope you guys uh, <laughs> bear with me we, for just a few minutes here. We we asked for an hour, so you know it, we're here for an hour. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually I think one of the um, strongest selling points of Star Atlas. I think it's our greatest differentiator, um, and really it's twofold. So one is just sheer quality, uh, and this was something that we identified back in 2020 is that you know a lot of the games that were coming out were very financial focused. They were um, pretty simplistic in terms of gameplay mechanics, a lot of turn-based games or card style games. And I would, um, uh, so that's kind of one area where we saw room for improvement. We could build a triple A quality product. We could build a mainstream game that people would want to play. And then we can integrate all of the benefits of crypto into that. Now, the second part that's a big differentiator for us, and I will get into this, is um, this idea of on-chain gameplay mechanics. So, abstracting or extracting game logic and gameplay loops from an engine like play canvas which we use in the browser or unreal engine which we use for our our AAA flagship product line um extracting those building those into smart contracts or on-chain programs on solana which is where we built mm-hmm. and uh leveraging open source and composability for uh, in the creation of more of a development platform than just a gaming product. It's really a development ecosystem that we've curated and cultivated at Star Atlas by making all of our game logic accessible to other developers all over the world with documentation, with IDLs, with APIs. Um, now, hmm. <clears throat> the different ways that we integrate crypto, you know, the, the, the first and easiest and the most commonplace in any Web3 game is using NFTs uh, as a foundational asset base within the game itself now i see enormous value in that i'm a long long time gamer um and i've played a ton of mmos and at the end of the day you're never able to extract any value for the time that you put in the trade-off that you make with a traditional studio is i'm going to pay my subscription fee or i'm going to purchase the title and uh, I'm going to play this for however many hours, tens or hundreds or thousands of hours in some cases, and I got the entertainment value out of it, which I think is very important. That's core to the product, uh, but you're never able, like, it's explicitly prohibited in terms of service that you, for you to be able to, to sell gold that you've collected in game, any assets that you have, your character, your mm-hmm. account, that's mm-hmm. all expressly prohibited and you will be banned. And so... Um, I think Web3 Gaming largely, and we at Star Atlas specifically, want to flip that on its head and say, no, not only is it permitted, but we encourage that. You're the one putting time into the game. You're the one buying the assets. You should be the one to be able to capture value off of the effort that you put in. And we hope you have a good time while you're doing it. That's that's ultimately our goal. But if you ever decide you want to leave at some point in the future, sure, sell your account with all of your progression. And here's a marketplace for you to be able to do it because it's yours. We don't own that you put the time into doing it. So that's one thing. Um, In our case, we also have a dual token structure. So we have Atlas, which is the in-game currency. It's effectively um, the in-game gold. It's medium of exchange. Everything through the Star Atlas universe is denominated in Atlas, whether you're purchasing components or purchasing resources (laughs) or selling resources, the medium of exchange is always Atlas. Uh, I want want to get something in before you got too far. Uh, Sure. I, I apologize. Um, how come, and, and this, this is a little bit uh, uh, speculative, how come all of the other games, and, and I'm, I'm, all the other games out there where you play and you get to a certain level, how come they don't allow you to monetize or to sell your, your stuff? How does that benefit 
them? Uh, and, and is it just a vendor lock-in kind of thing, or or why why do they do that to begin with? I would I I mean I, I got into Star <clears throat> Citizen back in 2012, and they had a period of time where they kind of tolerated the the gray market as they called it, but but of course their terms were always you're not allowed to sell an account. And I mean, EVE Online and, and stuff are, are are very similar, where if you sell an account, you'll get banned. Um, mm-hmm. Is is that like uh, some sort of regulatory reason why they don't do that? Or they just want to lock you in? What, why do they do that to begin with? I, I think it's fair to say that there's probably some regulatory element that they're considering um, in the tra- transaction of uh, financial assets. This is something that we... Uh, monitor and observe on a regular basis as well, but more important than the than the regulatory component, um, that's more likely to be a scapegoat in my opinion. I I think the reality is it's competition with a with a revenue base. Um, why would you want someone to buy a character from someone else when they could just spend that money with you? So it's really about protecting their income streams and less about um, uh, any regulatory concerns. And so, you know, again, we're um, we're taking a completely different approach. We are trying to best understand the regulatory landscape to ensure that whatever we're doing is in compliance with all, you know, federal or national regulations around the world, which is pretty complicated. And, and that in and very. Of is very <laughs> opaque right now, um, especially in crypto. It's opaque. We don't know exactly, you know, what we're going to need to do, but we're trying to prepare for that. Um, but even to the extent of selling things like skins, um, and, and again, this could be an extended answer, but I'll, I'll try to keep it short, um, selling skins. So our model for skin creation is to empower the creator and the artist uh, to leverage assets that are extracted from the game in the creation of skins, minting those and selling those to other players. So we don't come out and say, here's a battle pass that you have to buy from us. And if you buy it, uh, we're going to give you this skin, right? That's the only way you can get it. Or you can buy the skins directly from us. We're, we're saying somebody had to go out and extract resources from uh, different celestial bodies, asteroids, planets, etc. Um, and then you take those resources as base inputs for the creation of skins and the rarity of the materials that you yeah. collect determine the color palette that you can select from and the uniqueness of a skin that you can craft. And so now we have a, let's, let's imagine a, an individual who's not a player. They actually don't care about playing Star Atlas at all. Uh, but they're a great artist and they say, here's an opportunity for me. And they love our ships or they love our characters. And they say, mm-hmm. here's an opportunity for me to create a business in this universe where I can actually produce and mint these skins. I'm buying the asset, the resources from someone else. I'm turning that into a product and I'm selling that. Um, and wow. we aren't in the middle at all. I don't want to say we aren't in the middle at all. We are not. Um, we're not the majority beneficiary of that. We take a small transaction fee on any secondary marketplace transactions, but we're giving the the bulk of the benefits of the financial um, rewards, if you will, to the person who created it, and also empowering the people who are out there playing the game, extracting resources. So ours, in my opinion, is is an approach that is far more favorable to users that are engaging in our ecosystem versus a, a, a unidirectional path of of capital. Uh, what I'm saying is it, it's not just the players giving us money. It's actually players paying other players. And that could be for convenience or for assets or for skins or for art or any other level of UGC that we uh, um, uh, integrate into the game. So, so are there are there analogs to what you're doing right now in other industries 
or, or other other spheres. The reason I ask this is because it would seem that 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 um, the crypto arena is still trying to decide whether NFTs and cryptos themselves are securities. And if, mm -hmm. and if I'm an artist or I'm a game player and I'm and I'm making my asset more valuable and stuff like that, um, I'm kind of depending upon the fact that uh, you know it's a star citizen, not star citizen, star atlas um, NFT for me to make money off of that, right? I mean, is are are gaming tokens secure securities? I think you could go through the, you know, the four prongs of the Howey test if you really wanted to. And if it's Gensler, he, he's already said everything's a security, no debate, right? But um, we're, we're also seeing the SEC lose cases right now. Um, my perspective and our perspective as a team and our legal representation all says that, um, look, these are game assets. You know, you don't consider WoW Gold to be a security, do you? They also don't allow it to be traded, but we're not. Um, uh, we're not facilitating the trading either. That's the benefit of of these decentralized ecosystems and crypto. Is it, but that's what a marketplace does. You said you'd you'd be providing a marketplace. We already yes, so we have a marketplace. But the um, what we're providing is the ability to trade one asset for another asset, or to spend Atlas for say a ship or some other item. Um, uh, what I'm not saying is. Like our proposition is not about your ship's going to go up in value or your token is going to go up in value. Um, and, and it's not necessarily on the effort of others either. That's not our proposition at all. Our proposition is you can engage in a gaming product and you can earn this token, which is a game asset as a result of playing. And that asset also happens to be tradable out on a variety of decentralized applications if you want to. Of course, there are speculators in our ecosystem, but that's not who we're tailoring this to. And that's not our messaging at all. Here's a product that you can play and you're earning the game asset for playing based on your engagement or from other players because you're transacting in the in-game currency. Um, and what you do with it after you receive it, that's up to you. We, we're not policing you. We're not saying you're not allowed to trade it externally. It's exclusive to our ecosystem. We're saying here's the world of crypto and all of the tools, products, and services that are available within this alternative financial ecosystem. Go do what you want with it. Here's, here's how you're able to create that value for yourself. And producing an income stream is not necessarily the security. It's the idea that you're making a quote unquote investment into something because you think it's a proxy for equity. You're hoping that whatever that team does produces value and increases the value in that asset that you purchased. That's not what we're presenting at all, um, right? I, I, think they're, I think they're completely different. So um, I know I like you did that have- answer. I, yeah. I like that that uh, I, I was expecting some sort of an evasion, because if you were to ask, I don't know, other other CEOs of gaming companies, that kind of stuff, they'd be like, well, of course not. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and there, there's a lot left unsaid there. But I, I like how you, you got into the uh, the actual details there to explain how this works. Uh, Titan, I, I've been asking some questions here. Do you want to? <laughs> yeah. So so to kind of go in a little different direction about that uh, something that caught my attention when i was learning uh, on a deeper level about you guys is that you do the the browser based right mm -hmm. there's a million cheat things out there you got tamper monkey you've got all these things and one of the big grievances that gamers have are the exploits especially since th there is like value 
in there in the form of tokens or ships or anything like that. What is it that that you focus on? Do do you put a priority on preventing that? How is that uh, how is that ranked in your priority list for your for your community? I love that question, and it is a controversial topic. And if I may, I do want to just circle back to your previous question, which was how do we integrate assets uh, or tokens throughout our ecosystem? Because it actually dovetails into this question about automation and botting. Sure. Um, so just to finish, I was, you know, I had mentioned the NFTs and then Atlas, the in-game currency, Polis as a governance token. This is truly intended to distribute and empower our community and those holders through time to direct the future evolution of the game. And that's a really big statement. And I think it's um, uh, it's presented disingenuously very often, not from us, but from a lot of different projects of, hey, here's the DAO and here's what's going to be possible because of it. But in our case, the intention is in time to transfer the IP into the DAO and to have this community of people with a with an income source, by the way, because the DAO makes money off of all of the in-game <clears throat> activities as well. But now there's a revenue stream that goes to the DAO. It's funded. It can it can uh, pay for future development um, and and the future evolution of the game itself. It, in many ways, it's it's kind of a perpetual live service game that we're creating here. And will that work? I don't know. To be honest with you, there's a lot of uncertainty around. Uh, decentralized governance and whether or not that's going to be efficient at operating an organization like ours. So we're here to steward steward it through that process. But um, in any event, the last um, the last component here that I wanted to mention, it's very very important, is um, again the big innovation that we're bringing is this idea of on chain gaming logic, building programs on chain that manage how the game operates, that other teams are able to permissionlessly integrate with, build their own services, build their own features, build their own dApps, monetize it themselves. They can even create um, game mods or game extensions as a result of all of this. So a now, framework then? You're, it, that's what you're looking to make? It is a framework of sorts. We're not necessarily approaching it from that perspective because we're building all of the tooling for our own uh, specific purposes. So we're, we're, we are focused on building the game and we're releasing these mechanics as a component of that, but there's value for other developers out there in a number of different ways. We have this build program. You can access our IP and start a company and commercialize that. You can generate revenue up to a million dollars and pay nothing to us. Um, you can access our uh, some of our assets. So there's various forms of art assets, including our WebGL uh, browser-based wow. ship models. You can use those to the extent that they point back to the same assets that our players own. Right? It has to reference the same um, uh, token ID. But otherwise, you're free to use Star Atlas sh ships. We've already done all of the development, and it's really incredible work that our team's put together. So if you want to start a space game and use our ships, you're welcome to do so as long as it references the same assets that our players own. Now, our players win just from the fact that there's another experience that they can engage in. The developer can create an experience that they find a path to monetization, and we win because now our community's happy uh, that they're getting access to more features and more utility for the items that they already own that we didn't have to build. We didn't have to put that effort in. Uh, we can only do so much, right? In 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 a period. Of, you re, you've referenced Star Citizen. I mean, Star Citizen has been in development 12 years, um, and I think they're still alpha. Um, by the way, we're big big fans of Star Citizen. We love what they do, but it but they have had an arduous journey themselves um, getting to where they are. Um, Okay, so um, I'll just kind of close with that. But your question was around automation and botting. And right. um, in total transparency, uh, I'm using Tamper Monkey myself on Star Atlas 
the Sage browser game, Sage Labs, today. Why am mm -hmm. I doing that? Well, we've communicated to our uh, audience, to our community, that uh, automation is not a bad word. Um, and especially when you're developing fully on chain, it's not preventable. There's there's nothing that we can do to stop bots from directly integrating with our on-chain programs uh, and, and working through command line to interact with our game environment. We've built it that way from the ground up so that something like that was possible. However, where it's problematic is, does is there um, uh, an asymmetric advantage that one player is able to... Uh, execute on the disadvantages all of the other players and so we've said look we're monitoring for botting and we have good tools and we have an algorithm that helps us identify who's botting and is it egregious are they taking advantage of an exploit are they taking advantage of the system are they acting in a way that a normal player would not act um, so we can identify that we can police that it's difficult on chain because the reality is you can create a new account instantly. You can programmatically spin up a thousand new wallet addresses, right? Um, and what are we going to do? It's whack-a-mole. We're always trying, we're terminating one account um, and they just programmatically spin up another one. So that's difficult to completely prevent it. However, what we've said is if you're creating an automation tool and um, um, and you publicize it and you open source it so that other people around the world and other people playing the game have access to the same tools and same features that you're using, we're not going to take a, uh, a strong stance against that. In fact, I think in many ways, anybody that's automating a game system, well, there's a deficiency in the game system itself. It's either not fun that people don't want to do, um, or it should just be automated within the game client. And we'll learn from what's being automated and we'll probably introduce that feature ourselves so that it's accessible to everyone. <laughs> what I care about is balance and fairness. If everybody can use the same automation tool, well, nobody's at a disadvantage, right? Everybody's technically exploiting the game system, but we've we've structured our economic system in a way that... <laughs> Inherently, it can't be overly exploited by a single individual unless you own all of the assets that are available on the market, in which case you should be the sole beneficiary. You've purchased all of the assets. So um, <laughs> the the last part of this is um, is, yeah, I know a lot of a lot of people hate bots. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought on that on the last part, but I, I guess simply put, <laughs> I'm not necessarily opposed to automation. I don't think automation is a bad word. And I think, in fact, automation um, can add a lot of value and enjoyment to the way that a person plays the game. And we can derive lessons from what people are automating and modify our game. Um, sorry, the, the, that's what it was. The last part is if what we're responsible for is developing gameplay mechanics and economic architecture in a way that minimizes and mitigates the extent to which people can automate or can exploit our game system itself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we think about these things all the time. We talk about it every time we're going through a, a, a feature proposal of, hey, this is the next thing we want to add. Well, what's the game theory on this? How is somebody going to try to take advantage of this? How is somebody tr going to try to exploit this? Because you, you know that everybody will, and every game through the history of games has been exploited by people. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not stoppable, but we can embrace it and we can distribute fairly access to features through open sourcing. Okay, uh, I have a, a follow-up on that one. That's, uh, that makes me then wonder about the, the makeup of your team. Uh, what, what kinds of, of people 
uh, do you do you hire to to facilitate this? I mean, are you going for these mathematicians and and uh, you know um, mathematically oriented people to be able to I don't know uh, uh, adapt the code and adjust your algorithms, or uh, maybe you could go into that a little bit. Yeah, uh, we have we have an insanely uh, qualified team. We have uh, all divided into really game development, into engineering, and then also specifically into uh, economy. Uh, that's worth noting as well. Economy is really the. Uh, I think a lot of people can think of economy in terms of, um, say, earnings in Web three, but economy is actually integral into the game design process as well because it's what allows us to create balance between assets and mechanics and players and understanding. So you have, you have economists on your team. We do, yeah. Our head of uh, game economy, Chris Smith, he's a PhD in economics and emphasis in labor markets. And um, uh, we we actually had more Ooh. people on our uh, we had five people on our economics team previously. We have two now. Um, we we did have to go through some layoffs earlier this year, but um, economy is a major focus for us. It's a major focus for me in particular. Um, my background's finance and investment management with uh, some economics background as well. So it's one of those areas that I have direct oversight on. But yes, um, we will continue to hire best in class economists because we're building what we believe to be a sustainable and functional real world economy that operates in much the way, uh, same way that say a nation state or a government or a country operates its economy. In fact, we put out a quarterly state of the economy report where we review all of the things that have gone on over the past three months um, and the impact and our diagnostics of that and what we think about and, and how we categorize players into a political system or a citizenship system. So we have census data that we've created, a model that we've created to categorize our players on how they fit within um, these socioeconomic dynamics. Well, what, what worries me about economic reports is if you look at, uh, I don't know, what the United States does, I think they just put out some, some very good high CPI numbers recently, which excluded housing, rent, gasoline, and food. And of course, if you exclude those things, then uh, yeah, our CPI is doing just awesome. And so, yeah, yeah I think <laughs> the I, I think the common phrase is there's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's economics. Um, so, or, or statistics. Sorry, it's statistics. But um, I mean, sure, you can manipulate the numbers any way you want to present any picture that you want while using statistics. We try to present an objective, um, truthful perspective of what's happened within within the economy and what's um, not that we need the additional motivation but what's cool again about on-chain game logic and architecture is that anybody can go validate anything that we've said because they can run the same numbers it's all on the blockchain you can see so, okay so you have that. so you actually publish uh, some information about the economics of your your games not not just the reports but some information about how the economy is is built we do. In fact, we've probably overly shared um, information about formulas and algorithms because there's a strong demand from our player base to understand how the game works. Um, and we've accommodated that to, a, to an extent. We're starting to tighten up a little bit on the amount of information that we shared now um, on both game design and economy simply because, um, well, there's a couple of parts to it. But, you know, one, you don't want your algorithms and formulas completely reverse engineered immediately because then you do open yourself up to a variety of exploits. Um, but two, we're, we're in this uh, kind of odd place in Web3 where everything's a scam. And despite the fact that Star Atlas has been around for almost three years and I've been <clears> in the space for 10 years, I've launched multiple companies in the space. Um, uh, 
you know, I manage myself ethically with high scruples, despite all of that, Star Atlas still gets called a scam today. Um, you know, it's like if we were going to rug, we would have rugged in the bull market. Not now, but but nevertheless. <laughs> so there's this demand for information and evidence that we are actually doing stuff, right? And well, there and, is there there is a concern. Like uh, I I totally admit I I saw you guys when you first started out, and I had some concerns. I was like, has this guy been a game developer before? Uh, you know, you, yeah, you do finance and you 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 know crypto. But what worried me at the time was uh, you know. Are you able to to handle the ups and downs of game development and that kind of stuff? The, the amount of money, time that it takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll be the first to tell everyone I've said this multiple times. I am not the guy with the game development experience. Uh, where I'm fortunate is that we do have this dream team uh, of co-founders that uh, consists of our chief product officer, Danny Floyd, our chief technology officer, uh, Jacob Floyd, their brothers. They've been, Danny's been in the AAA game development space for 20 years. He's head of product. He's the guy that is game director. He, he wrote all of the initial lore, uh, all of the gameplay mechanics. Like he has full creative license to build the game that he wants to build. My job is to make sure that <laughs> we don't fail. Right. And to get out here on podcasts and talk to people. Danny doesn't get on too many podcasts. It's unfortunate because he has a wealth of knowledge about everything. I would I would love to hear some some of the technical stuff about how the game is put together and, and so on. But that's an aside. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've learned uh, uh, an enormous amount just from him. But by the way, uh, both of those guys worked with me on my previous company as well. I actually uh, uh, Aqua hired them through the acquisition of a company that they worked for back in 2017. So we've been working together for over six years now um, in in different um, on different product development. And and so what I what we know is that we all get along exceptionally well and we all complement each other's um, skill sets quite well. So and Jacob's just this mastermind of engineering. Uh, so to kind of round out your question, yes, we do have a highly qualified economics team that helps us with balance, that helps us with game design, that helps us with incentive structure, helps us with monetization of our business. Um, on, on the game design side, we have art directors from major AAA studios. Blizzard is one that stands out um, at the top of, top of mind. But um, art directors all in-house that are all coming from the biggest AAA studios out there. We've recruited a bunch of people from Star Citizen, actually, to come work with us. Um, and then on the uh, on the engineering side of things, you know, we break that down into uh, DevOps, into web dev, and uh, into our, our blockchain team. And our blockchain team is probably, uh, I don't want to overstate this, but I think we're one of the strongest, if not the strongest, Web3 blockchain team in the world, not just on Solana, but in the world. Um, uh, probably 12 of the brightest blockchain engineers and Rust engineers I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Well, I, I do, uh, since you mentioned it, I actually do have some Star Citizen related questions because even in the very beginning of that I saw of Star Atlas uh, two or three years ago, uh, I, I saw a little bit of a parallel between that what what your mission is and what star citizen is is trying to do i'm i'm an early um uh, star citizen backer I, I got into it in 2011 2012 mm -hmm. um and i i see a lot of what you're doing actually looks a lot like star citizen 
uh, down to the, the the racing thing that you posted on what October sixteenth or something, where where you have this the ship going through the hoops. That's that's something that Star Citizen has, and you know uh, I don't I don't I don't know if you you've I haven't seen enough of Star Atlas to know if you're going to have like people going inside of ships and, and flying them from you know first person view kind of thing. But uh, I see a lot of similar things, like you're running around on planets doing FPS, and then you're 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 doing ship combat as well. And I'm assuming that there's a, a whole universe to explore out there. Uh, is that just is that because you've hired some star citizen people, or you just like the 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 motif? There are some key differences, um, and I would start with more of the grand strategy fleet command. Um, aspect to gameplay and and just to maybe uh respond to your question about whether or not ship interiors are uh built in they are um that's so, awesome <laughs> yeah yeah so you have full like interior exploration uh, interaction with you know with the head or with the beds or with drawers with are, you, cabinets, are you working with... with them at all like the, the, you licensing any technology from them or anything uh, no, we're not. But uh, for what it's worth, I did try to uh, link with Chris Roberts on uh, uh, on LinkedIn about five months ago. He still has yet to accept my my, my friend request. So <laughs> if he's listening, from what I understand, he's not. He doesn't like blockchain. But, but... <laughs> a lot of the tr traditional guys don't, for one reason or another. Um, but uh, and obviously the blockchain, the financial elements, um, the on-chain architecture—that you know—that is all different. From different, um, we have multiple environments or implementations, I would call them, that we're developing out. You reference the browser-based game that's built in Play Canvas. That's more of a real-time strategy, territory control game. Uh, we have a mobile application that's a fitness trainer, a fitness app. It's it's really this move to progress. So you can take one of your crew members, which you can slot into your ship as part of the loadout. Um, and you can go on a walk, run, or bicycle ride and level that crew member up, which then contributes to your ship score or ship value when you load them back in. That's, and that's what I that's what I like to see. While because you you have a very very ambitious game, and you have things that people can do until the game comes out, which I think is right. essential for for any for any Web three game because you find out about Web three games at their inception, not seven years later after after exactly. a full development cycle. Uh, and so I, I like the fact that you had something almost immediately. It's been hard to use, but I mean, you had something immediately and you still have have things in, in the intermediate, you know, in the meantime. Definitely. And, you know, game development is always on a budget and always on a on a, a you know, delivery timeline. Uh, but nothing puts your feet to the fire, like accepting money from people and having them <laughs> expect something back from you and 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 when you've talked about very big ideas that you know it what's difficult to articulate is like these are really big ideas this is going to take us a long time to create it's going to be five to seven years but we'll you're getting features and you're getting modules that are rolled out over time so there's always enhancements and there's new stuff to do and there's ways to progress and ways to earn and you know we're trying to make a fun experience for you but it it's definitely different from the traditional model of uh you're kind of cutting out there, but uh, it, it's different from the traditional model of, hey, we're gonna we're gonna build for ten years and then release the product. Bethesda, you know, I, I um, they just rolled out Starfield, and uh, I, I love the quote from their CEO. He says, "This is a product that's been in development for twenty five years." 
because that's they conceptualized it that long ago that was right. how long ago they wanted to build that product but the tech wasn't there um the money probably wasn't there and it wasn't it, you know it still took them 10 tangible years once they broke ground on development on that product but you know you didn't see anything about it until it was eight years in and then they start their marketing push um so you get this really polished um uh, deliverable at the end of all of that. And we're saying, look, part of our experience, part of the entertainment is not just the game. It's if you, if, if you've ever taken interest in how a game is being built, well, here's your opportunity for open access to the developers. We're in discord chatting with people every single day about what we're doing and releasing sneak peeks and releasing alpha and, and stuff like that. And so um, that's part of our experience is that you have direct access to us. You have direct access to me. I chat with people in our community every single day in our discord and I love it. I enjoy it. But you know, how often have you ever spoken to the CEO of a mainstream game studio? Mm-hmm. Don't let's not go down that road. Right. <laughs> so that, um, yeah, that's, so, that's part of the value that we're that we add. So so that dovetails into my next question is, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned people being uh, front facing in the discord and such. And you have this timeline to build and you have some products out there. Well, I shouldn't say products. You have some experiences out there mm-hmm. that people can take advantage of. How do you manage the community's expectations when they're banging on the table saying, where's my game? Where's my game? How, how, do you, how do you, as a team, put that together and present it to the community so the pitchforks don't come out? It's hard, and we've made some missteps there. Um, and, and just to round out my previous uh, comment, by the way, so then, then we have the Unreal Engine product. Um, and when I say products or implementations, rather, what's really important is that we're building a singular universe. All of these implementations are different ways to access and experience the same universe of Star Atlas. And we can do this, once again, I know I've said it a lot, but we can do this because of the on-chain architecture. So if you're playing in the browser-based game and you take an action, well, Unreal Engine is referencing the same blockchain state, the same data, and can replicate that action in Unreal Engine. So this is a single MMO, and it's the same thing with the mobile app. Your crew members are playable, uh, are usable within Sage, the browser game, and within uh, Unreal Engine as well. So uh, in terms of managing expectations, we, sure, we've made a few missteps along the way. We've um, uh, we've probably over, uh, I don't want to say over-promised, but we, we were overly confident. Uh, confident in our delivery timelines ourselves, you know, and there's a lot of conversations. I, I one other point that I want to make here is that we <laughs> we're building the plane and we're making the tools to build the plane at the same time we're flying it here. Uh, we had to, <laughs> we had four people. We had four people in January of 2021 on the team, right? And here's the wow. idea. And can we generate some revenue from this? And we we did, and we scaled our team to 235 people over a year and a half. Um, we're building a company at the same time that we're building a game product when we don't have processes and and pipelines already in place. Oh, and we're building on bleeding edge technology. We're using crypto and blockchain and everything that we do, and we're working with the latest Unreal Engine development. But so, then, but then you've had to cut back uh, on people as well recently. We have, we have, and uh, I, I I don't want to diminish in any way. Um, the people that work for us because we we hired the best and brightest uh but one of the things that that we've noticed is that through the reduction of staff 
um, and the people that we retained, we were actually able to uh, increase development velocity. Now, we were also able to focus more on a specific release, which was Sage Labs, um, but there's much better alignment, communication, and coordination across our entire team as a result of that cutback. Um, I've mentioned this many times, so people listening in have probably heard me say this, but there's a there's a podcast with Tim Ferriss. Uh, he's interviewing the CEO of Evernote, and one of the uh, heuristics that he mentions is that every time you 3x the amount of people in a company, you need to radically transform all of the processes and procedures within that company. Now, when you go from four people to 235, there's a lot of broken shit in there. Let me tell you, <laughs> a lot of things are not working as well or as efficiently as they could be. And so that's not something you realize in the moment, but it's something now that we've reduced and we've focused, um, we have much better coordination across the entire team. There's there's no telephone game. There's no, uh, here it goes from an art director to a project manager, to a team manager, to the person actually doing the work. And by the time the person doing the work hears about it, you know, you, they built something that's completely different than what the art director wanted, for example. And, and that's an arbitrary example, by the way. But um, this is the type of thing that is inefficient in large organizations. So at some point, we will look to scale up again, but I will be doing that completely differently from how we've done that historically. Um, so that's with the cutbacks. Our team is still exceptionally strong. And, and again, we're actually building faster than when we had a lot of people focused on a lot of different things. So we so we know that you've you've had the cutbacks, um, but uh, would you be able to give us an idea of why that might have been necessary? Is that because of the bear market? Because there's crypto is worth a lot less. I mean, did were did you have a budget and it turned out that you went over the budget? I mean, what's what what's a good idea of of why that might have happened? Because I'm the first one to say that the bear market just tears people a new one. It does. Um, it, it definitely does. Uh, I'd say concomitant factors. Uh, so, and I've been open about these numbers publicly, so I have no problem sharing them with you guys and, and your audience. Uh, we've done approximately $200 million in revenue since inception, which is absolutely incredible. It's mind boggling, right? Um, so how do you go from $200 million in revenue to needing to cut part of your staff? So, um, there were a couple of uh, variables at play there. One of those was about a third of that revenue, $65 million, came in the form of Atlas, our own in-game currency. And one of the ways that we were able to create utility for that token upon launch was, here are items on our marketplace that we're selling primary. These are new assets that we're issuing that you can use game earnings to purchase. If you are interested in taking your earnings and buying more ships and building a bigger fleet, you can do that. You can buy any of the assets that we have available in Atlas. So about $65 million came in in the form of Atlas. Now that hit us two times, largely because of the bear market, and I'll come back to it. Um, uh, we structured a an exclusive deal with Epic that happened to be, I, I can't share the dollar amount there, but it was mm -hmm. uh, quite an expensive negotiation. Um, we got hit with a, a $38 million tax bill in our in our first year of operation because the IRS doesn't care if the money came in an Atlas or USDC. Right. I said, this was, you made that money, right? You owe us. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so, you know, $40 million tax bill almost in our first year. So um, when you look at our liquid cash, it was 135. Oh, and by the way, you know, we're spending two and a half, three and a half million dollars every single month because we built up this team. Um, and I'm just giving you guys kind of rough numbers. Obviously, there was a scaling no, up no, effect right. of all of this. But, um, you know, when you look at, say, $135 million minus 40, now we're at 95, um, minus a, another amount because of the epic deal. Um, uh, and we got hit by FTX in 2022, 
uh, almost a year ago, $15 million we lost on FTX. And then we're spending a couple million dollars every month. Now we built our team based on here's $200 million. Here's the real rub though. The $65 million in Atlas that came into us, could we have sold that? Could we have liquidated that as we, as we were receiving it? Sure, we could have. Um, I took the approach and I take full responsibility for this that we don't have a tangible product and experience on the market today. If we start going out and selling tokens, when this is the only uh, closure to the economic loop, earning Atlas, you can spend it with us. That was pretty much the sole dynamic. Otherwise, what else are you going to do with game earnings? Sell them yourself on the market. There's nothing to do with it, right? Um, if, if we're just accepting <laughs> our own currency and then immediately dumping it on the market, we're not providing any value to the ecosystem. So I said, we're not going to sell any tokens until we release the product that people are truly engaged in and truly having fun with. Um, and I saw that balance diminishing through time. Our token, like just about every other token, is down 95, 98%, right? So $65 million evaporates. And really the, the so had, had you had you have sold that at the time, then that would have been a traditional rug kind of situation, right? Where all this money comes in, you you sell it. I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say a rug. I think the perception out there would have been a rug. I think it's it would have been justifiable. I had people on my team saying we should sell these tokens, and I said <laughs> we're not going to do it, you know, because I'm also looking at our balance sheet and and the the capital balance that we had there, and and FTX really was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, 15 million relative to 65 million is actually it's significant, but it's not as big as the money that we lost holding our own token. Um, but it was the timing of that and the value of the assets that we had when it happened that created uh, an extremely trying and challenging time for us. Uh, and so, and this bear market has lasted forever. So we've got revenues that are that were slower, right? And still slower now. We make money every month, but revenues were down, not only on asset sales, but also on uh, marketplace transaction fees, which is a, a recurring uh, cash flow stream for us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, and then you know you, you take that hit of fifteen million and and the token balance uh, goes away and a hundred million dollars disappears really quick. <laughs> I mean you would be surprised. And we've built our team no, based on we, we have we understand how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we built a team based on hey we've made two hundred million and as it turns out we only really had about a million at the end of it a hundred million at the end of it right and so that's what we had been building with and and so the the reductions were necessary and it's pretty standard course of business as i said we're seeing mainstream studios game studios not in the crypto space making reductions themselves this is more a macro economy issue and then further accentuated by a crypto bear market yeah uh, that's something that i i try very hard to educate people uh, about software development. I've been a software development developer for about 25 years. And uh, we we have primarily followed uh, Gala Games. And whenever whenever they have had cutbacks or, or, or they've started showing evidence of, of money being a bit tight, I explain a lot of that, but people don't seem to care. And I, I think that's because you have a lot of people into virtual, uh, into Web3 games right now because they want to be an investor. They want to be a speculator and they don't care if the game isn't done. They're like, Hey, where's my money? And that's, right. that's, and, and again, uh, I've, I've had lots of fights with the, uh, with Titan here on this very program, trying to explain <laughs> how software development works. It's yeah. You start out with a lot of money, but you, you have, it sounds like web three has a lot more unexpected directions than even standard, ga standard gaming would. 
There are, and one point in particular I would make on that is that, um, so Automata is our studio. Uh, that's the name of the company that building Star Atlas. Uh, uh, we've been forced to build a lot of our own primitives and infrastructure to be able to support the type of game that we want to execute on. We're pioneers, so there aren't um, repositories, libraries, packages that we can download that say, you know, here's here's how you build a game on chain. There is no playbook. There's no one else that's really done it, especially not to the extent that we are. And so a lot of our time is in R&D and figuring out how to do the thing um, and then spending time to build it. It's not. I'm not even talking about building the game. Building the game is one thing, but add a layer of complexity with innovating entirely new tech. For example, we, we rolled out an open source repository um, uh, called the Foundation SDK, the FKIT, and it's a Web3 JS library. It's a native integration of Solana into Unreal Engine 5. Have you ever uh, have you ever loaded up a game in Unreal Engine with a wallet connected to it? No, not before Star Atlas, not before we had to build that thing. you know. And then we've integrated our marketplace into Unreal Engine as well as a result of this. But this is the type of tech um, that that we're creating so that we can actually execute on our vision. So it's it's really like uh, building out the foundation is largely where we're at right now. And we, we are seeing momentum pick up and velocity pick up as we nail these tools down. Because now it's like, oh, well, we've got the hardest stuff out of the way. Now we can get to just building this massive AAA game that we want to build. So Wait, did I hear you say the marketplace is in is it in the game? It's in yeah, it's in the Unreal Engine client. So you can when you anybody can download and play it today. It's a showroom is the version of this. This is the module. We're actually <laughs> releasing our R2.2, which is where the racing, the competitive combat racing, multiplayer racing comes in. Um by the way, we've We've partnered with a company called Metagravity. Just a quick shill here, but Metagravity is a pretty incredible <laughs> company. It's it's on uh, it's similar in terms of the value proposition that say a Hadian or Improbable brings. It's all server infrastructure, multiplayer, user concurrency. Uh, we've already demoed five thousand concurrent users at our fidelity in our showroom wow. client, and we're hitting thirty thousand concurrent users by the end of the year with the live open access um, uh, client on Epic Game Store. But um, so the, you know, those are all of the the features that are up and coming. But yes, within the, that client, the possibility, the possibility of thirty thousand concurrent, or do you actually have that many concurrent users? Uh, it's kind of a leak, but we are internally testing that right now. There's still some optimizations that we need to execute on, but it's working. Um, FPS is a bit low, uh, but we're working through those optimizations. We're actually going to be demoing this at Breakpoint in about two weeks. Um, nice. So do you publish? Stuff. Do you publish your amount of daily active users? Our daily actives, uh, we don't, not for any reason other than it's it's not really that exciting right now. I think we have like 200 daily actives in our showroom module, which isn't nothing, but uh, we don't really have that complete gameplay loop yet. The showroom is primarily about exploring your assets. Uh, there's a couple of time trial modules so you can race in the air. You can do ground racing. Um, there's a flight trainer where you can compete in the, these waves of PDE combatants coming at you. Um, so there's a few things you can do, but really the competitive combat racing loop that is coming out, uh, that's what we expect to be the complete loop because you have ship mastery, we have character progression, uh, you have ship configuration, you have multiplayer. 
um, and you have rewards through this tournament structure. So when we get to that point, that's when we go open access on Epic Game Store. Right now it's closed access, but pretty easy to get a hold of a game key from us. Um, but that's when we go open access with the dedicated server support and all of those game features go live. And that's when I think the user numbers will, will be more exciting. Okay, so uh, real quick, I bought a ship a couple of years ago, the Pearson X4, I think it was. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, great ship. And, uh, extra, and, extra small, uh, but great ship. <laughs> <laughs> they were rather expensive at the time. Um, <laughs> and so um, what do I get? I, I'm, I'm assuming, do you have to buy a ship for the game? And I'm going to add a follow-on so you can go with that. One, do you have to have a ship to, to play the game? Because... It'd be, it would be nice to see people not playing for ships uh, or being able to play without having a ship. And two, how easy is it to earn enough money to get said ship, a Pearson X4? How, yeah. how quick and easy? So the uh, the Pierce X4 right now, by the way, it, so that started at $20. So I don't know if that's the same one that you're thinking of. It is a, a great little kind of single uh, rider ship. Um Maybe maybe it's something different. Maybe I was looking at that. It, it was, uh, well, when you say start at twenty dollars, it might have been the first week. I mean, it, all the ships went up pretty pretty quickly. I think yeah. I paid a few hundred dollars for for my ship. Okay, maybe you got an X five. Uh, Pierce Line has an X four, an X five, and an X six. Okay. So you could have gotten. Maybe, it. maybe that's maybe that's it. Um, the the X five is a, a, a cool vehicle as well. But ne nevertheless, so. Uh, let me break it down into the implementations in the Unreal Engine client. You don't need to buy anything to start playing. There is one, uh, it's actually a medium-sized ship that you can jump into, uh, explore the interior. Uh, it's it's at our gold standard right now. You can fly it around. You can use it in the, um, in the flight trainer. You can use it to do the air races if you want to. So if you just want to try it out, um, you can come into the Unreal Engine client for free and just start playing around and explore. You can also join. Right now, we have multiplayer instances, but they're all peer-to-peer, -peer, pretty low performance. But it was we figured, hey, we're just going to roll this out experimental form. Um, in Sage Labs, which is the browser client, now there's real economic uh, incentives in in participation in that. You do need to own at least one ship to be able to engage in Sage Labs right now. Um, actually, I'll finish really quickly with the mobile app. The mobile app is going to be a free-to-play um, and uh, well, free-to-play application in the sense that you can either purchase a crew member and start leveling that up, or you can use a free crew member and still level that up as you engage in these physical activities. Now, if your ambition is to level a character up and sell it, all you would have to do is mint it for the normal minting price. Call it, say that's arbitrary number, but say that's $10, and maybe the character's selling for 20 Now we have people all over the world who can participate in the Star Atlas economy and ecosystem by leveling up characters and turning around and selling those to other people. Um, the uh, one powerful feature that I'm, that I think is, we actually have an announcement on this as well. Uh, so I'm not gonna say too much, but the idea of lending or scholarship models is the web is web three version of free to play period. So if, if you have uh, an active lending market on these ships, and uh, you can establish a model wherein it's either rev share, or it's flat rate, um, or time-based, where a player can actually come in, borrow a ship permissionlessly, uncollateralized, use that ship in the game, 
earn some money to um, as they're playing, and they split that revenue with the actual owner of that ship. Now, over time, they're if they're retaining their earnings, they're saving that. Then sure, they could come in and buy a ship of their own. Um, to your you question, can do that now you can do that now. Lending is not available yet. Scholarship okay, is not okay. available yet. Sorry, it, Europe. It's something that is uh, a, very important to me because I, I really do think it opens up. Uh, I think it's extremely beneficial for all of our asset holders, but I also think it's really beneficial for new players who want to come in and try this out and don't want to spend even a dollar on a ship or, or $20 on a ship, right? Um, so here's a way that you can get in for free and start to play. And uh, you're, you're really not giving up anything. You're giving up a portion of the game earnings that you would otherwise be able to extract to the person who owns the asset. So it's really all upside for the player. It's, it's upside for the owner of that asset too, by the way, because now their ship is out uh, engaged in activity. And they're not spending the time to do it. I, I often compare this to, you know, if you're purchasing real estate, say you want to start an Airbnb business and you buy a bunch of houses so you can do short-term leasing, it's very much the same model, right? You might buy ships just so you can lease those out to other players who do want to use them and, and, and uh, play with them. So uh, in terms that of- That in and of itself is a game loop. I mean, if you really think about it. It 100% is, yeah. Um, again, another big announcement we're going to make at, at Breakpoint, so I probably already said too much there, but... Uh... <laughs> Thanks for the leaks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good for that, guys. Uh, the, the community always laughs at me. I, I share too much. That is the problem, is I share too much. But um, uh, anyway, I, I just like... I do well, it sounds like you, you're. Not. It sounds like you have no desire to evade questions, which I rather like, so... <laughs> Yeah, even well, better. I've gotten extremely good at, at uh, you know giving you the runaround, but <laughs> but I'm giving you it, honest answers. <laughs> it was already commented that uh, it might you might be the first person who passed our initial uh, show here without yeah. without catching hell. Um, <clears throat> so let me ask you this: you've you've said it about twelve times, and I love it. Okay, that that everything is so open and so transparent. We know a guy that uh, works real well with APIs and uh, dashboard building. We've had him on the show several times already. Would we be able to, if if there was a way to connect into via API some of the modules that you have for uh, the dashboards that this guy builds? Because he's he's tremendous with well, geez, with what he's done. API- if you have an API, that means that's less work that you need to do. It's like, fine, we can start inventing the tools we want while you continue to to work with the game. Well, I, you know, a lot of a lot of the people that we talk to, Faz, you know, they immediately they're like, oh, well, I don't know about anything. the The transparency that we've seen here tonight is tremendous, and you know that when we get back into uh, CFA, that's going to be the first question someone asks is, are there API keys available uh, so that they can look for, he builds leaderboards, he builds the marketplace to where it can be analyzed. He analyzes all this stuff for the best price points to buy things at and all that kind of stuff. So not only for him, but I'm saying in general, where you're saying people can plug in, are these easily accessible is is there a place that we could point people who want to do that directly into your ecosystem 
Yeah, I mean, to, the, the snarky answer is he can just use the Solana API um, because we build all <laughs> of the logic on chain. Every one of the assets, every resource, every item in the game, every player, every wallet connected, it's all on chain data. So um, that's he or she, uh, that's one way uh, for them to do it. The the more legitimate answer is we do run a build repository at build.staratlas.com. This is where you can access the IP program, where you can get access to those resources, create a business, monetize that business. Um, but we also have documentation, the IDLs on Solana, which are kind of the, the program TypeScript bindings, um, and uh, to some extent, some API on there. But anything that we're doing in the game, uh, especially for Sage Labs right now, full open access, all on chain. So you can build whatever you want with it. This, this is, this has been an education and it's, it's, you've, you've made us smile pretty much all night. If you haven't noticed, because lately a, a lot of the, a lot of the, the people that we've been talking with don't share the, the, the amount of information that you've talked with us about as openly as you do. And the, there's substance, as Faz mentioned a little bit earlier, there's substance behind what you say. It's not it's not like a typical news interview answer where you give like a canned statement and there's nothing behind it. And you have no idea how much the both of us, I'm sure I can speak for Faz here, appreciate um, the depth and the breadth of what you, you've shared with us oh, here tonight. So thank you so much for that. It becomes a game of chess because you're like, okay, there's obviously some questions that people want, that the community want, and we try to get to answer those questions. But you know, it's it's a it's a way. Okay, maybe we can hit it on the side here, see if we can get some sort of clue what's going on. And what I, I very much appreciate is hearing you just get into it. Yeah, we had to cut staff because uh, you know this is the, 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 there was less money. Here's why, and. Mm -hmm. I I wish that was done more, but but of course the the stand the the, the current system is where people the, the current environment is where people are really cagey about that. They're they're always looking for new investment. They don't want you to think that there's anything going wrong with their game, uh, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And it's 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 nice to just it's refreshing to hear some some transparency, some transparent answers, real transparency. If I mean. Here. <laughs> it it it's it's absolutely crazy. Um we we've got we've got people who want to build a community together because they enjoy gaming, they want to be part of something that's that they can believe in. And you seem so incredibly community focused with how open, just even with how open you are and how transparent you are, but the fact that that you come out here and you talk to us and you lay it on the table and your, your own personal accountability. You, you've said it several times tonight. It's I made the decision. It's, it's my responsibility. You have no idea how many people we talk to that blame the pet dog for the reason that the NFT that people bought failed. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. So I, I definitely, um, I, I think that as you move forward, don't change that one bit. And and the temptation will be there. I promise you it will be. Don't don't change that because this is this is the well, type of environment that, that gamers want. When 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 you well, start yeah, making five hundred dollars kicks you know, in. Like yeah, the hubris kicks in and 
And you've got to avoid that um, because that is, there is so many, so many companies out there that sank their own ship because of that hubris and staying grounded and staying in tune with that community. And whether or not you take their ideas, giving them an opportunity to, to tell them, encouraging the community to help build like you do. I, I, you probably saw my jaw on the table. I can go in there. I can build my own stuff. Are you kidding me? Nobody offers that. Yeah. Uh, so, well, okay. You guys um, have just showered me with praise. So <laughs> I don't know. No, how to well, it, it, it's so <laughs> refreshing, <laughs> Michael. It is probably, so refreshing. It really is. Because we're going to be, we're going to be wrapping up soon and we didn't want to leave you on a bad note, you know, um, Faz has a tendency to just hit the button at random. So it's not you if he does that. It's just that's his stick. Yeah, that's my stick. Um, so I, I know I know that your your time is limited, and uh, we're we're running out of time as well. Um, but uh, I guess one thing that I was hoping we could do is not end this conversation here. Um, I would very much love if we could if we could, frankly, after hearing everything you you been saying do some more research and come back and and ask uh some additional questions would would you be up for that in the future absolutely anytime guys let me know yeah and we talk about community and such and we, we've got a ton of questions over here we didn't get to tonight because i think we're a little too excited in our conversation so um what we'll do is we'll uh we'll gather up some of those questions we'll throw them to you over in discord and we'll We'll have you uh, jump in and answer those in Discord. It doesn't have to be right away, but if you'd be so kind, that would be great. <laughs> wiki, 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 wiki is uh, one of our great community members, by the way, and mod on our uh, on our Discord. Nice. But, um, I, I just well, wanted we... to say, like, with, with all of the you know the positive comments you guys said, I I do really appreciate that. Um, but one of the reasons why I am open and transparent is because ultimately I have absolute confidence in what we're doing. Yeah. We've been through some obstacles and some hurdles we've had to overcome. Um, but the team is rock steady. Um, the product vision is incredible. And this community that you guys are speaking about right now, um, you know, <laughs> not always singing our praises, but they're supportive, you know, and, and even the <laughs> negative comments we know come from love, right. And people that, want this thing to come to life as well because it's something they really want to engage in so so you have... don't you don't tell your 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 own people to go fuck off like like uh, other crypto projects that we're familiar with. <laughs> I can't and you didn't I've buy a jet not you've yet. never bought a plane uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'll probably start with a cessna you know before I <laughs> oh we got to throw some digs in there somewhere come on we're, we we uh we we followed Gala Games and uh, Gala Games has had some drama recently and, and people people have been demanding transparency from them and they 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 have a couple head you a couple years head start on you guys I think and they're kind of different a little bit in that they they're style themselves more as a publisher but have a mm -hmm. development side where it seems that uh, Star Atlas is just a single game. Right. I think that's or, awesome. Or a possibility the focus. to dovetail into other things. I like hearing what you're saying where other people can plug into the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it, see, hearing that that's, uh, is that a primary focus to develop an ecosystem for other people? That's why I use the word framework for people mm -hmm. to plug into. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the clarification is um, our... Uh, 
our responsibility and our primary focus lies in developing out this really great gaming product. So that's where a lot of our emphasis goes. However, we understand the potential benefits of building out this development platform, this framework, this ecosystem. And so what I'm suggesting is we're not we're not necessarily building the game with a framework in mind. We're building the game and primitives and tooling for our own purposes. And we're saying here, you can use this. And if it works for you, great. You know, Over time, sure, we'll put more emphasis into, say, a platform or tooling uh, development. But right now, it's really about what is the primary attraction? And in fact, what is the thing that's going to motivate people to want to develop around Star Atlas in the first place? Well, it's the users, mm -hmm. right? If you have a captive audience of players that own assets, well, now you it's it's almost like starting a franchise right if you start a franchise you know people want to go there and so right. once we have the game and we have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of users then if you're thinking about building something on solana or anything in web3 you should think about building on star atlas because here's an audience that might want to use your product it could be a um, like i said all of these resources are on chain you could build a commodities or forward or futures exchange that integrates all of those resources and you have people hedging out the future price changes of Roshanol <laughs> in the economy, right? And these are, they're all commodities in the game. So like things like that can be <clears throat> built now. Um, and are they built yet? No, there's some actually really cool tools that teams have already built, but um, I just, I think the future is so promising in terms of what type of external uh, innovation we're going to see around the Star Atlas ecosystem. But what's important is let's let's build the great product first. Let's get the users in, and then everything else can flourish around that. How That's long awesome. do you think? How long do you think Star Atlas is going to be around, or how long are you planning it to be around? I mean, do you think it like a like some other games? It can it can kind of peter out after about twenty or thirty years, or you know, Evo twenty or thirty years. Well, Super Mario lasted like 20. six. What did? <laughs> Super Mario only made it like six before it dropped like a rock. Well, now it's a classic. But um, <laughs> so that's, that's the question is, where do you see the future of this game going after your immediate goals? Yeah, the um, hmm. I, I love the way you pose that question, because a lot of times we get the question of like, when's the game going to be done? Right. <laughs> when is it? When is it out? And I don't and believe I, in done. Done is, is, is a bullshit word when you're talking about computer programming. Continue. Yes. Thank you. No, that's that's exactly <laughs> the point that I make. I, I say it's never going to be done. We're not doing our job if it's ever done. I mean, th and also you can think about any live service game. There's always content patches. There's DLC. There's, um, you know, improvements. There's new versions of it. Um, in terms of when do I think, how long do I think Star Atlas will last? I mean, our vision is to make this a forever product, honestly. And again, that's a very big statement. But I'm not saying it's a forever product that we build that Automata builds, I'm saying that over time and, you know, a decade plus out as the IP transitions into the DAO and now there's an economy and GDP that actually funds that DAO process, the DAO can then pay for other developers to build future versions of the game. And we have this platform where, where other developers can build extensions, storylines, mods, whatever they want. Are, are well, you in charge of this DAO? How, how's this DAO set up? Uh, well, it's intrinsically <laughs> decentralized. It's, um, it, you know, 
from a technical standpoint, it's a non-jurisdictional unregistered entity. Um, there's a foundation behind it that's registered in the Caymans with independent with an independent board of directors. Um, now, the foundation is not the DAO, though. The, the foundation is there for legal purposes to satisfy any contractual obligations that the DAO may have and to ensure that smart contracts are executed as they're um, as they have been built into the DAO itself, but the players on the DAO. Now we do own, uh, we own 30% of the total supply of the Polis token today. That was by design because we do want to ensure that our voice has weight. We're the builders, right? We're, we've got the vision. We want to make sure that we don't get um, uh, vetoed on building the game and the product that we want to build. Uh, but that over time, um, as the as polis tokens are emitted into the ecosystem through the emission curve, uh, we get diluted, right? So we have less and less of the of the um, circulating supply through time. Um, so that's kind of how it's all set up, where we we essentially have the dominant voting weight today, but we won't always. And that's a, a intended to take place over several years. Like I would well, think, at the earliest. My my experience in 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 watching projects go is the bigger they get the more control that the uh that the developer or the the person in charge wants and i mean the, the way that things normally go right now companies will squat on ip it's like wow uh i don't know let's just say assassin's creed started doing badly well they don't want to sell it to other people to where they could probably do better with it but it sounds like you're you're saying well you know after time after a while we're just gonna take our hands off and just let things run um how does that i mean does that mean you go on other other projects how does how does that affect your relationship with the game yeah I, and and for clarity on this we <laughs> i neither i nor anyone else on the team have any aspirations of building stuff beyond star atlas right now and we're fully committed to this and i do believe it's going to take us probably a decade like to get it to a real solid stable uh point uh now you, a lot your of goal with your immediate goals or your startup goals with our original vision in the white paper yeah i think it's probably going to take us that long but maybe sooner who knows we do have the benefit of working in unreal engine which um expedites development quite substantially for us but um our motivation is not to step away it's not to say hey we don't want any part of this anymore we've kind of delivered what we're going to deliver and and now it, now it's up to you um what we would hope and what we would anticipate is that we've done a good job and the all of the stakeholders in the DAO say, we want Automata to keep building the game because they're killing it. Like they do everything that we want them to do, right? And you can't satisfy everyone, but largely, you know, they're great at building the product. They understand the product and and they're capable. Um, so that's what we want. What I'm saying is, and, and the paradigm shift is that through the DAO, the stakeholders would um, have the optionality uh, to replace us at some point, should they want to. This is again a very big, bold statement, but um, and this is all experimental. So I'm not uh, proposing that I know exactly how this is all going to play out through time, but I can tell you what our intentions are and how we see it possibly working. Um, I don't even know that decentralized governance is really going to work. DAOs have a major issue with voter apathy today, where people just don't care to mm -hmm. actually participate at all. Well, um, and right. then the people that do participate uh, and have a lot of the votes, they tend to you you tend to have the shadow government with with a with a DAO, and it seems to me that it's it's the people that start up the DAO, uh, and I. <laughs> I worry about how independent this DAO is actually going to be. And it seems like it would be independent once, I don't know, you have enough 
players in this ecosystem. I mean, you, you it's kind of like an economic thing there too. I mean, but it's more mm-hmm. political. It's it's you you need a bunch of players that that uh, cross check each other with checks and balances or something. That would seem you need a, a real system of government with checks and balances. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing. Like it, it's very <laughs> theoretical and conceptual right now. And I, you know, just uh, again, and honestly, I think one of the um, issues with the idea of a DAO for a, a product like star Atlas is it does take a high degree of uh, collaboration and coordination and centralization to be able to execute on something like this. There's a reason why you don't have, you know, buildings constructed by a random group of people from all over the world with no expertise or specialization in constructing buildings and architecting buildings, right? It just doesn't really make sense. Why do you want the person that is, I don't know, use a traditional finance person working on Wall Street to engineer a building for you? It just doesn't make sense, right? But what I think is cool is it is there are, uh, we have an incredible group of savvy and sophisticated people involved in Star Atlas today with a lot of their own ideas on how things can work. Um, and so the process is starting to flush that out. You get proposals, you get debate sessions, discussions, discourse taking place, and you try to arrive at the best end result. Um, so the real question is, is it possible for, say, a group of people um, to collectively determine the future of an idea like Star Atlas in an efficient way, or does it all crumble and fall to pieces? I don't know. I don't know yet. But we're also not looking... Um, Again, we're not looking at transitioning over to the DAO immediately. We we want to get this thing on a solid footing, a solid foundation, um, operational, and at that point, then gradually, uh, the the stakeholder and user input, um, and I don't even want to say has has more weight because we listen to our community all the time, um, and we make adjustments based on feedback that we get where we think that it's appropriate to make adjustments where it's logical and reasonable um uh but it's it's i'd say more enforceable through the stakeholder position in the dao uh looks like we have a question from zorro here uh apparently uh zorro wants to know why star atlas why why that name yeah, uh, really good, uh, good question. So when I was uh, when I was first chatting with uh, with Danny and Jacob about this in in 2020, uh, so the short answer is I I like a names uh, for companies. The company's name is Automata. Um, it's kind of like the the uh, how Google rebranded or or they have the parent company that's Alphabet. Alphabet you know, it's kind of yeah. like being at the first in the in the white pages if the white pages were still around. Um, <laughs> So the company's name is Automata, and um, when when we were all discussing gameplay, I was like, "Atlas, <laughs> I want to use Atlas. I think that's super cool." And it was Danny that said, "Let's let's call it Star Atlas." I um, I'll just share the story. It's not really relevant for how we landed on the name, but it was really just one session, and we were kind of talking. And I pitched Atlas, and Danny came back with Star Atlas, and um, <clears throat> I checked uh, uh, a domain registrar, and I looked up StarAtlas.com, and could not believe it the domain had expired less than 30 days before our search i was able to secure that domain it wasn't wow. cheap, but staratlas.com was formerly um like an astrology or star gazing application and it had just expired it was available and i was like this is fate we're, we're taking it <laughs> so that's that's how we kind of solidified it well, we that's an awesome story and, we got to go look on archive.org to see what that website used to look like yeah 
<laughs> a lot different than how it looks now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Mr. Faz, what do you think? We've I, we've taken I an did, hour and twenty three minutes yeah, of Michael's time tonight. And you'll keep lot. going. You'll go all night with this guy if we don't if we don't shut you down yeah. here. Uh, I was actually <laughs> just googling uh, uh, Star Atlas on on archive.org. Um, anyway, uh, yes, uh, like like I said, I'm I'm hoping we could talk to you again and get get some updates on on how this is going. Um, I was interested a little bit in the beginning, and the more I'm hearing, the more interested I'm getting now. Um, I'm I'm very interested in the rental aspect that you're you're talking about. Uh, that would be great. But uh, it sounds like there's there's a lot more information that I need to go and uh, do some more research and, and to ask better questions. Uh, I, I was I was trying to handle the, the the stupid person angle right now and just get a you know a, a top level view. <laughs> with well, from from you're a, stupid. A there's gamer, no doubt from a crypto gamer point of view anyway. But uh, I I want to get more of a view of a star atlas insider the, the next time this was a heck of a good time tonight i you know i learned i learned a ton you can only see so much on twitter right and when you have somebody in front of you discord can be your best friend or your worst enemy um so i i these formats is what we prefer. We like to get people and just have conversations when we don't like to plan it out with pre-planned questions and we like to be live. We like to have the community right here with us asking questions. You've, you've done us a great service tonight. So thank you so much uh, for joining us and we'll definitely be, be talking to you again. I hope. My pleasure guys. Yeah. The, you know, when people send me uh, questions leading up to uh, an interview or, or, uh, you know, podcast, I never read them anyway. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of wing it, but um, uh, no, I did want a, a quick shout out to uh, both our community and our community team. You guys were talking about discord being kind of a double-edged sword and pitchforks definitely come out there, but um, uh, our community team, Dominic uh, was in the audience. I saw you post one of his messages. Santi is our, mm-hmm. Director of Community, yeah, Dominic's actually sharing the uh, Discord link now, I, I think. But um, you know, these guys take a lot of heat for us, so they're they're in a position where they're front lines, and if things go wrong, you know, they're the first line of defense. So big thank you to, to them for everything that they do, but um, and just overall for having a really incredible supportive community through both the ups and downs. But uh, guys, this was it was fun. Enjoyed the discussion. Happy to jump back on sometime and um, would love to see you building around Star Atlas. So let's figure that out. Thank Very you. Cool. We'll Thank you touch. so much. All right. Take care, guys.